Hello listeners, welcome back to yet another episode in this season of uh, podcast Pravaha with Revan and myself, Pratik. So, hello Revan. Hi Pratik, it's always a delight to talk to you. I mean, we talk every day, so I, I shouldn't even be saying it. Yes. And if we, you can say it, well, every day is a delight talking yes, to you. Yes, that's true, yes, of course. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, we, uh, have, we, have, we have lost all our audience at this point. Uh, but go on, sorry. No, no, uh, we never lose them. They are with us. Yeah. Only whether they are Sula or Sukshma is the question. Ah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, today we're going to talk about this. Uh, I mean, uh, I will I will ask you to speak on it. But before that, uh, my neighboring state uh, and your native state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time we think of states, it, you know, uh, like states. State, today now it's states yeah. and i think i think i also have a connection as i was saying when i was i was there in andhra for one whole year when this whole protest against the the separation of the states were happening mm. and i literally i didn't have any opinion on it because i was i didn't know the cultural contours yeah. of the issue but then i was on the street i had to shout Oddu, Oddu, Vibhajana, Oddu, only then I'd be <laughs> Which means, so, everybody, I, it means uh, no partition. No. And uh, the next yes. line is... Uddu, Muddu, Samai, Kandra, Muddu. Muddu is cute. So, <laughs> we want yes. uh, United Andhra Pradesh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ultimately that didn't come to fruition. Yeah. But yes, I was part of those protests. But uh, whatever be that. But uh, the thing is, uh, I mean, Andhra, yes, geographically, it's, it's this vast landscape put two states put together but uh, when we speak about andhra more than the landscape it's always you know uh, uh, you know rudram bujashakti malyamma patibhakti timmaras dhiyukti krishnaraya kirti it's about the people of any state that make up first it's the food that... people care about the andhra uh, people want food of andhra more than anything else to do with it uh, well of and these movies also by uh, the way this pushpa has become such a rage across india but anyway sorry go on Yes. I mean, yes, people make food, people make movies, so people. Uh, so, yes. Um, uh, so, yes, Jai Telugu Talli if you want. But, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, talking about these people in the region is what we're going to do as I, as I glean from what you've told me a little while ago. Uh, but let's start with defining the region and defining or ki- kind of, you know, Tell us at least an introduction into the historiography of the place. What period are we talking about? What what are we going to look into? And point us to some sources so we have some context here. So, uh, I'm going to talk about some elements of the social history, let's say, of Andhra. Some some, some interesting facets of, facets of the social history. But let's start with what is this Andhra? What is Telugu and all that? Broadly speaking, it's just the land of Telugu speakers. And Telugu is one of the second most spoken second yeah second most spoken language in india it's it has uh, i think around uh, 10 crores uh, speakers uh, right uh, in the in the world uh, and it's 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 a, it's a very vast space spreading all the way um, from kalinga let's say because much of Kal- what we call kalinga in you know, you know what, 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 odisha is actually ahantra so starting from there all the way uh, till a place called kuppam uh, which is very close to the town of, I think, uh, Krishnagiri, I think. It's very close to Krishnagiri, if I'm not wrong. And and, and then Telangana, which is which is uh, deep into, which is which is into Dandakaranya forest almost. So it's a very vast territory. Uh, 
and so that's 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 this area and it's quite uh, a central region if you think about it because it has a coastline and if you look at the distances between um hyderabad and different cities it is it is it's it's a very major region let's say nagpur is only 450 kilometers from hyderabad and uh, bangalore is 550 and so on you know <clears throat> but i think pratik you'll agree that historically it's it's a big black hole i mean you people don't really know what's going on over there uh, compared to uh, other regions you know and if, and i think sadly it's even history historians have shown not much interest in the area uh, and i'm not surprised i think the historiography of andhra has been quite strange one of that reason i think one i think uh, one of the reasons for that is sociological it's just that andhra is there are many telugu speaking people in the humanities they don't study that you know it's 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 a uh, if you, you might think that's a south indian thing but it's an extremely andhra thing it's it's still a telugu thing people don't do anything besides it's engineering is the most fast you know uh, uh, crazed over uh, thing over here so it's almost it's, it's very and chartered accountants uh, yeah that's because you experience but i mean engineering is something like it's, yeah. it's it's a rage that you can't even imagine in other parts of the world world right. even right right uh, that, yeah, so that i think that's a, that's the biggest reason i would say that's that's the that's a major problem because of which the the, the language and the culture and the over the the humanistic sciences have have been very grossly underserved and whenever there is a talk about the humanistic sciences or culture it's always this very chauvinistic love the telugu talli or matrubhasha you know mother tongue that kind of sentiment which is not good for anything you know as you i, I think you would agree on that with me on that as well yes uh, so it's so that's a sociological reason for this and i i think you can actually think about it as well you know how many telugu source people how many people do you know in the let's say the humanities in the in the history world in the last 100 years who are good with telugu sources but if you think about let's say tamil sources the kannada sources there are I mean, tamil sources there are like i mean names after names like they're huge legends right but there that's that you can't say the same about uh, uh telugu and given how, how how many speakers there are how central it is in geography or history that's that's a that's a bit of a travesty but i think the one person who's really changed the picture is vechar narayan rao who since i think the 70s or so uh started translating telugu works uh bring and right now it's actually the literature is actually there's a lot of english language literature on telugu a lot much of it from nature spend itself and eventually vechar also taught telugu uh, in madison to david shulman so together they started translating lots of works so you can find alasani uh, peddara you can find pingali surana soon nandithimana is going to come out annamacharya or there's a there's a classical telugu anthology by the two with all great lit- writers even modern poetry and you have yeah. and then you have the next generation also for uh, harshita kam so so uh, and, and so uh, since vechar narayan rao he's produced more students in in, in the us right uh, yeah. so you have uh, cynthia talbot who's a student lisa michel harshita all of these are also based you know they are uh, from a vechar tradition only uh, um, so that so that so that's the sociological reason the other thing is a historic historiographical reason it is that history has been for the longest time a study of empires and political centers and andhra you cannot really say we cannot see it as a host of any major major empire as against uh, all the other ma- regions you know uh, let's say you have the chalukyas rashtrakutas uh, uh, tamil the pallavas cholas pandyas you know 
marathas you have mysore kingdom you have all of these different major powerful kingdoms which produced prolific literature right on the other hand uh, the regions of andhra the telugu speaking regions have been a hodgepodge of smaller kingdoms um, right. who often would pay suzerainty to other kingdoms uh, let's say the exceptions to these are the chalukyas of venki uh, the kakatiyas and uh, in ancient india of course the shatavahana shatavahanas are very central uh, state and they are yeah. much more large part they are uh, andhra telangana state you could say you could say um, so these are the, i think these are the only three i can think of or of course uh, vijayanagara te- uh, territory is an interesting case in that um, if you take hampi as the uh, center uh, hampi for the la- la- for a f- was part of is part of what we call rayalaseema today and it is uh, it was in andhra state as well for 3 years uh, which means that so and the core territory of vijayanagara empire is actually rayalaseema it's, it's actually what is andhra pradesh today so the right. so that way it is that way vijayanagara is is over here but again the problem is because of, because because of how presentist we are we still tend to see it as a karnataka kingdom you know right uh, so that's one reason so there are no major empires so it becomes automatically unglamorous the other thing is other lens through which we see uh, history is religion state and religion right religion again you know there are other st- other regions let's say in southern india or in other parts of the country they have produced very monumental figures who done a lot of work in that region right so it's when you want to study those the religious tradition of that region of that period you need to those those regions are integrated in, naturally come into history but you can't say the same right. about andhra once again uh, let's say there is you know shankara from kerala uh, ramanuja from tamil nadu madhva from uh, karnataka or appai dikshita or raghavendra i mean none of these people none of the major monumental figures are from andhra although there is a lot of interesting religious formations lot of interesting religious formations in in these regions and uh, varieties of religious formations of other regions over here as well all of these things are happening right. but not anything that's home bred in that same way right there is a lot of interesting forms that sri vaishnavism takes here or madhva religion takes over here uh, right or how it reflects in or best is veerashaivism you know sharana movement is uh, has an amazing influence on telangana and andhra but obviously it's not born here right so uh, right. that's up that so that, that which, which so it's 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 not naturally not central so i think that's that's one of that that's the that i would see that as a issue right kakatiyas
yeah they have that's 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 very interesting i mean uh, you you have you have introduced us to the uh, history of the region uh, through through problems and usually we find problems but you we know the issue, we know the issue through problems in your case and that's very interesting uh, so yes uh, who i mean what period from this are we going to study about or are we going to look at it from you know as a chronology uh, so i am not i have not thought about any chronology but i think i have uh, i would have to speak about uh, of course through your conversation through your questions from uh, let's say the first let's say that uh, 1700 years of history like barring the last 200 years perhaps maybe or if, if it's possible you could even cover that age period last 2000 years last seven, you know uh, from one first century ce all the way till 1700 ce oh, that's a long that's a huge canvas to paint on uh, <laughs> yes so uh, well let's start from the head let's start from the elites of that of whatever time you're talking about uh, of the society how it is structured uh how it is kind of you know uh, how does how how does the hierarchy kind of work let's let's i think let's start about let's start and talk about brahmins you know uh i will start let's let's think about diff brahmins especially in early india i think that would be interesting because there is an interesting relationship that andhra dynasties or andhra history has with them and um, but before that i think we should we should we should uh, uh, ponder for a while about the varna a little the system of varna which i think even in an earlier podcast we discussed uh, is somewhat a theoretical category in that we do not really know if there are four classes ever you know uh, yeah. that that's somewhat hard to point out and um, and but usually it's it exists it exists as jati but but the pro, but the thing is the power, the force of the text is so strong right throughout history that people often try to hawk Uh, to varna right and we find that happening even in andhra and in fact the manusmriti says that the andhras are also a, a sankirna varna or you know a mixed varna so they are a, right. they are, they emerge from sankara varna sankara which is a which is right. a process that the manusmriti somewhat invented i should say to explain how there were probably already many jatis in that time many castes in manus time uh but it was explained through the mixing of various varnas the four uh, you know combinations of one male one female uh, of different different varnas or then sub varnas the new sankirna varnas produce new newer sankirna varnas and such like uh so for example and and andhras are said to be a sankirna varna of uh vaidehaka male and ayogava female right so there so it's it's it's, it's like a very uh, a lowly varna like andhras are lowly lowly varna already andhras themselves are varna in according to mali right <laughs> right I, uh, this this uh, i'm sorry yeah. to interrupt uh, i am also reminded of this uh, shloka in bhagavatam shrimad bhagavatam right. where it says you know even lowly people can be your devotees i mean that's the premise yeah. and there kirata hona andhra pulinda mulkasaha adhira kankaha yadupashraya and along with kirata hunas there is there are andhras yeah i mean there yeah exactly that's the point so throughout history even in the, so andhras also are in mahabharata and ramayana but they are like this like this uh, egg people in the periphery some kind of some people we don't know if there are community language nothing it's not clear really or a varna uh, who can just be pushed around 
so they fight on both yeah. sides of the pandavas and kauravas so uh, shatru i, I think uh, sadeva goes or i think nakula goes to get uh, a you know kaka uh, hamsa uh, south to gain uh, allies and he they join pandavas uh, and some i think even there's a mission for kauravas also so, they, so some of them join the kauravas side just like yadavas do and so on you know uh, so there are pandava you know the, the andras are on both sides and they just they're, they're like they're just thrown around they're one of these different jatis as, as you said you know there are among the different classes that exist uh, and the interesting thing that i find in uh, early andhra history is that repeatedly the dynasties call themselves brahmins brahmin dynasties this is as early as the first century ce right which is very very close to the time we are talking about dharma sutra literature uh probably many of the dharma sutra dharma shastra literature is still being made and in that time they're already calling themselves brahmins you know there is uh, there is uh, but we but we know from history that there is it's the likelihood of that is very very low and moreover the fact that even brahmins are ruling you know which is which goes which which goes against the flies against the face of dharma dharma shastra literature um and repeatedly as you, uh, you know the 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 ashatavahana kings we don't know if they're matrilineal or they're probably not they're patrilineal probably but they always uh, add their mothers names to their last names so their mother so it's always something putra uh, whatever you know uh, right i can see you are you're thinking of gautam of course i'm thinking of gautam but he's the he's the he's the, he's the, he's the he's, there's also a movie about him recently uh, okay. so he's and the reason we call him that we we they've been uh, dubbed as brahmins is because he's been called ek brahmana in the nashik prashasti yes. he's like a, so he's called a brahmin you know and uh, and then there are ikshvakus who come after them who are also uh, you know called uh, who also call themselves brahmins once again and uh, they consider it they 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 start building temples as well so ikshvakus are also very relevant for their uh, building projects where they uh, commission priests to be part of uh, what to say they uh, they the, the to priests to uh, be to, uh, to, to be part of the temples and and then there are the vishnu kundinas and there in their inscriptions we find something even more interesting they call themselves both kshatriyas and brahmins okay so they say that we because we fight in war we are kshatriyas because we we do yagna we are brahmins Oh, interesting. Very. And they're rulers, so we probably. I mean, my hunch is that there must be some, some random caste. We don't know, but they must have acquired uh, territory, and they must be saying this, you know, that we are both Kshatriya. But that's 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 ridiculous. I mean, if you think about how can somebody be both Kshatriya and Brahmin? Yeah, they can be. They might be a Sankir. I mean, if you go by Manu, they can be a Sankir Navarna of uh, Kshatriya and Brahmin or something. But how can they be both at the same time? But they 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 do that, right? which i and my i'm i do not know if this happens much in other regions of india i mean i have not read this much at least uh and i think that 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 makes it a very unique region socially i think it's a very unique region that way and um, so i think there is some kind of uh, like lightness to the brahmin identity like they can people can become brahmins easier you know they can they can call themselves brahmin with a, the point is it's not whether they were brahmins or not the point is that the fact that they can actually even to claim make that claim right because everything has a consequence so it's, yeah. it's, it is in that light we need to view the ancient india i feel uh, right. right this is also the period when there's a split in the brahmin identity uh, 
the the highest brahmin obviously is the vedic brahmin and the it's interesting that in this period it's so this is a i mean this is just so interesting to see the past because it's so different from our present and the lesser brahmin compared to the vedic brahmin is the devalaka the priest right because for a simple reason that the vedas are are of a higher pedigree than the puranas yeah and and the and and you and you should remember that the puranas are still not fully crystallized they are, they are still in the making right and when and the pros and we and it's very we, it's still mysterious how the puranas is made it's there's a lot of confusion of course but we know that the puranas are um, highly assimilationist kind of a uh, 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 you know so they they there's nothing pristine about the puranas they absorb lots of local deities tribal deities even for exactly precisely that reason there is a there's obviously a hierarchy within what we consider scriptures so the devadaka is a somewhat inferior category compared to the vedic brahmin and um, therefore it is more prestigious for a king to grant land to a brahmin who might be a vaidika than build temples so apparently there is a short there is for a, for a brief while there is a uh, decline in the number of temples that are commissioned that are that are produced in uh, in the in andhra of uh, till let's say the vichalukyas of bengi and uh, and i think i think that we can we can leave it there before i you know so that you can ask your next question or we could we could keep our conversation going uh, to say that that is an important that that uh, system of granting land is what really makes the brahmin powerful in in the rural society because it uh, as 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 uh, you know and probably many of our audience too as well there is a institution of brahmadeya by which a land a, a brahmin is given a land which which he can use for eternity and which which is uh, whose taxes will go to the maintenance of the brahmins brahmin families and which is uh, almost uh, which is impre- impre- impenetrable by other people you are, for you, in fact even the king right and that that that's what that's the one that really roots that, that that's the one that really uh, makes the brahmin powerful in, in at the local level yeah so uh, that's interesting because this is this is the uh, this is how the society is keeping its status if we can say yeah. by yeah uh, with that and uh, if we have to look at the okay this is the elite i, I, I the actually would add, add one more one other thing though uh, there are as i said you know there are uh, brahmins are obviously doing different occupations and even manusmriti and all the text grant that in, you know as apad dharma they can do other activities as uh, as a last resort but uh, quite proudly there are many brahmins who are of course ministers but also commanders uh, you know in the chalukya court of vengi which is a which is a state that was established as a sort of a sister state with the major state original chalukya state which was a karnataka based north karnataka based state uh, so in this uh, kingdom one of the very very well known commanders pandaranga was a brahmin uh and they take he takes they get great pride in both his commanderhood as well as his brahminhood uh, so there's that but something absolutely fascinating happens in the region of southern coastal andhra pradesh which is the encounter with boyas so the chalukyas chalukyas are going to war with the early Pal- pallavas right and when they are going to war with the early, early pallavas they they in, there is a region there in the, in the forests of uh, southern coastal andhra pradesh there are boyas who are basically hunting let's say craft 
or you can you could even say that there there are tribal elements as well there are people who are living in the forest to integrate them into society the kings the wengi chalukyas started building temples in the forests whose priests mm-hmm. become these boyas okay. okay so early uh, uh, boyas they have boya kovil let's say is one name meaning boya who serves in the kovil the temple but from what's called the keyur grant onwards reyur grant onwards these boyas start getting sharma as their last name that's very interesting okay okay right uh, which which i discovered in this the book uh, by uh, professor bsl hanumantarao i think who deserves so much more attention than he has you know he is is like i got this 20 rupees book in uh, in a university in hyderabad and it's it's an excellent book i mean it was amazing book so for if you just look at the names of these people kundi sharma manda sharma kappa sharma reva sharma pala sharma padi sharma like i mean this is this is nothing you know nothing like any uh, traditional brahmin name it's very it very clearly has a tribal origins in it while still having the sharma hood um I, actually that's that's very interesting i'm sorry sorry again no problem yes. uh, there is this uh, later pallava epigraph in parthasarathi temple of madras yeah. where the 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 person who is serving is called satti sharma mm. and <laughs> that that makes me think uh, perhaps i don't know this is but this is from the 8th 9th uh, century but yeah right right so and um, and also one thing we can observe is that often uh, whenever they become brahmins it's very the, the most commonly adopted gotra is kashyapa it seems to be one of those uh, some kind of a refuge for people who want to jump the social ladder kashyapa gotra mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. yes and and uh, these people are becoming priests at temples of krishna and shiva who are both Uh, I mean, I think by this point they become popular gods. Uh, by the time the boyas enter the picture, because by the time boya brahmins enter the picture, but uh, but originally they are not. There's no there's no prestige at all to Krishna, for example, who is you know a very past. He's a he's a pastoralist god. Like and that's like the yeah right. that's 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 there's nothing there's nothing great about him compared to the Vedic gods. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, very very interesting, and this is the. elites that we are talking about and there is a lot of social uh, mobility as i mean that i th- i think it's that's that's what it looks like and of course social mobility comes with its own uh, classes and subclasses I, i'm i'm guessing yeah. uh, but what is what is going to be the other version like i mean these these are the elites and in the elites we have these categorizations yeah. what uh, do we know anything about the if not the subaltern at least the immediate ones next to these people just right of course so i think i'll i just briefly tell you a little about the current uh, social let's say of the major caste the major communities of andhra telugu speaking regions right now i would say uh, the uh, the main land owning uh, middle let's dominant castes are in the rayalaseema region it's the reddy caste and in the coastal region it's the kamma caste okay uh, and the telangana it's velama these are the three main castes uh besides that and also the coastal region you also have caste that is called kapu but you will see how there is so much to do label so much of this has to do with labels right uh so yeah you have kapu caste and besides that you have the traditional of course castes you know there are these uh, there are of course the uh, brahmins the shetty committees the vaishya castes and the kshatriyas or rajus as we call them in andhra so you have all of these different castes but if you look at uh 
you know if you look at how things are panning out in andhra in this period you will see that so much of this has to do actually with uh, labels right um and and the interesting thing in andhra's history or i, I think probably this is true in other places of uh, parts of india as well that many of these castes become mobile through fighting wars right yeah. they that it is through the militarism that they become powerful so uh, vilchar narendra again he has written an excellent essay on called folk epics right uh, he calls it uh, epics and ideology six telugu folk epics where he takes these six folk epics from different parts of uh, andhra telangana andhra regions and uh, he tries to analyze the social dynamics why are they structured that way what is the uh, sort of story what is the, what is the thrust of the story and so on and one thing, and he realized that there are three two major traditions one is a sacrificial epic which is about purity and the other is a warrior epic which is about fighting wars and one thing we can observe among uh, the, the the different castes is that it is in in writing these epics they are pedestalizing warriorhood and that is how they become they 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 expect to they hope to gain power to become powerful you know and uh, one obvious the best example i think it is to this is katamarayudu katha uh, which is the epic of uh, of 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 um, the what's called the yadavas okay who are who uh, who you can already see that the, the the very usage of the term yadava is already tactic right they are actually golla what what's the caste the caste is called golla which is a pastoralist caste but they calling themselves yadava because that's that's a sanskrit word it's a caste it's the it's a community of krishna and yadavas and we know from in in uh, the bhagavata or in the mahabharata they are they are from the chandravansha they are still kshatriyas yeah. they are not a different uh, community altogether or anything like that but it's it's a term that's being adopted by present day pastoralist communities who are in a way subaltern yes. you know they are not even sedentary so that means that, that they are quite subaltern um, right but they are using that term uh right so this katamaraj katha it's 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 uh, it has this man who is um who is has a whole he he's like the leader of the kolla community and he is uh, he's they are, they are roving you know they are going around uh, get, grazing their cattle and finally they come to southern part of andhra i think around nellur and they encounter the chola king that they call nallasiddhi some okay. i i this must be some kind of i think uh, the chalukya chola dynasties became one at one point so probably like he, i think that was the context i, I, I don't think there was, there was a, i don't think there was a king by that name uh, nallasiddhi and <coughs> and nallasiddhi says that uh, as long as you know you can uh, uh, so all that so he he says that the grass that grows in this water in the waters of my territory belongs to you but all the calves that are born to the cattle belong to us right so he thought that they would just graze the the grass that is visible and the car they could take the calves but uh, what the uh, the kollas do is they go and the the even the saplings even the sprouts of grasses that exist inside water right and even rice because rice is also grass right they start grazing the on the on the rice as well because that's also kind of grass uh, 
so and then that that ensues in a battle and the many of the yadava heroes die that's a story right uh, so that is that, that so there, there is there is so much hope that they pin upon the uh, on on militarism and the reason this they, they pin so much hope is because there is you know very clearly there is lot of evidence of lots of uh, mobility lots of uh, you know, proliferation of caste and as well as mobility of caste through this military military tradition and we find this uh, uh, you know uh, happening in telangana as well in even in, as well as in andhra uh, in fact the three main the three main castes that i told you about right velama reddy kamma are uh, are actually fluid terms right they actually correspond to region names of regions as bsl hanumantra has shown there are actually not even different castes they are all and the fourth caste that i told you about kapu uh which is which just means a protector a person who cap like you know cap you know you yeah cap yeah, in tamil is exactly exactly like capard like that you know uh yeah. so that they, because they they are they are they are it's like it's like a, a land owning farmer caste so so the velanadu velanadu is the region that is uh, in present what's called present in nellur district kuntur district so the velanadu kapus are called velamas karmarashtra which is krishna delta they are called uh, kamma kapus and the region to the, to the north of that they are called reddy kapus and the reason the, these people became the respective castes dif- different castes is because they participated in battles okay so that's that's a very interesting phenomenon i think and uh, both bsl hanumantrao and vechanandrao interpret one other story called palnati virula charitra uh, which is a story of a 12th century battle between the two state two, two small will two small towns uh, called macharla and gurajala as actually a battle between reddies and velamas okay so there is uh, there, there is a state which is uh, a haihaya state haihayas so it is a chatriya state which is uh, paying uh, you know tribute to the chalukya state and there are it's so there is a king called alugura anuguraju whose kingdom splits into two one kingdom is ruled by a person called nalagama one kingdom is ruled by narasinga okay and one kingdom is uh, guided by a woman okay our unmarried woman named nagamma who is actually a reddy the other okay. uh, kingdom is uh, guided by a man named brahmanayudu who is actually a velama but today he is he is called a kamma because that region is controlled by kammas <laughs> okay so uh, and then a big battle ensues and they all, and lots of people die on both sides right and eventually the velamas fled and went to telangana so these two castes are actually just farmer castes when the battle begins but by the end of the battle they become heroes they become powerful castes right uh, so that's something we observe right uh, and it's, it's it's just and it's just absolutely fascinating how this uh, these this process you know uh, occurs and and i need to uh, now talk about some of the work that cynthia talbot has done in uh, on telangana on the kakatiya territories and she shows that uh, she, you you based on donations that are being done to temples that the labels are actually very very fluid uh-huh. in kakatiya territory so okay. so for example uh, nayaka is the so you, you i'm sure you know you are uh, in, uh, in chennai you i'm sure you heard of naidu it's a very famous last name Yes. it's basically yes. a short short uh, hand for nayakudu nayaka right leader and what is nayaka a person who is a commander in military you know right 
ದಂಡನಾಯಕ ನಾಯಕ ಸೊ ಸೊ ಶಿ ಸೀಸ್ ದಟ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪೀರಿಯಡ್ ಬಿಟ್ವೀನ್ ಲೆವೆನ್ ಸೆವೆಂಟಿ ಫೈವ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಥರ್ಟೀನ್ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಫೈವ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ದ ಕೋರ್ ಕಾಕತಿಯ ಪೀರಿಯಡ್ ದಟ್ ಒನ್ ಹಂಡ್ರೆಂಡ್ ಫೋರ್ಟೀನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಂಟ್ ಒನ್ ಫೋರ್ಟೀನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಲ್ ಡೊನೇಷನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಬೈ ನಾಯಕಸ್ ಲೆವೆನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಂಟ್ ಆರ್ ಬೈ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಹೂ ಕಾಲ್ ದೆಮ್ಸೆಲ್ಸ್ ರಾಜು ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟೆನ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಹೂ ಕಾಲ್ ದೆಮ್ಸೆಲ್ಸ್ ರೆಡ್ಡಿ ರೈಟ್ ಸೊ ಯಾವ ದೀಸ್ ಡಿಫ್ರೆಂಟ್ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟೀಸ್ ಬಟ್ ದೆನ್ ಶಿ ನೋಟಿಸಸ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ದಟ್ ಆಫ್ಟನ್ ವೆನ್ you know in in inscriptions right when people are talking about themselves they would all often say i come from the this great lineage my father is this my son you know that, that kind of thing mm-hmm. the the labels of the father and son have are different often uh-huh. i mean that's not very common of course 17 70% of them are the same 70% of all inscriptions have the same label for both the father and the son but often the father is uh, given a higher label in 16% of the cases there are 16% of the inscriptions the father has a higher label right uh, so 9% of the changes and uh, 9% of the i mean 16% has uh, of the inscriptions have father uh, having a title but the son having no title 6% the son has title the father does not have any title which means in those cases they he the, the son thinks that if my father does not have a title and i do have, i have a title that means i have moved up so i am used that's a strategy that he is used right and 9% of cases they have changed it's a different title it's not even the same title at all that's a very interesting statistics that you're doing i mean that, that's such, that, that's what, i mean I, i don't know if other places this kind of statistical work has been done or if this kind of phenomenon does not even happen like that even that is possible right uh, yeah and the and there are some absolutely uh, interesting things that happen here you know for example she i'm just quoting uh, talbot bhima reddy example for example was the son of mallinayaka and kalari pinnamari nayaka was the son of prole boya a boya you know that was originally tribal became a nayaka a nayaka became a reddy right and um, somewhere else you know uh, some people apparently there are uh, places where a a brother uh, held the one brother held the title regada which is a brahmin title title for the brahmins the other title a brother held the title raju okay so there are all of these different uh, things that occur in the kakatiya era right and she also says that neither jati nor varna are that relevant in the kakatiya period uh, but so the obvious question would be are these not jatis they of course not varnas but the point is if the brother two, two brothers have different titles then they are probably not jatis right because the brothers have to have the same jati most probably i mean if they are the i mean if they are the children of the same father they have to have the same jatis so um, yeah. so so that so, so she throws up not a question of really caste mobility not that people are jumping from one caste to the, to the other but rather what we think of as castes today were probably not even castes they were just titles for yeah. any caste yeah. you know right, right. Uh, so as and this sort of sits well with what i was saying about bs and anvantrao's thing which is that all the different all the major let's say the dominant castes are actually the same social role which is the large agriculturalists who were into the military uh, except they're from different regions so once they occupied different social niches they became different communities 
right so that's a i think that's 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 a i think very uh, absolutely fascinating phenomenon wow okay there's just so much to process and there is to see to see how how this uh, you know uh, well uh, to see how chronologically this would have developed and crystallized into what we perhaps know today and to see how society thinks i mean uh, how identities are built based on the assumptions that these were you know very stagnant is this really the, the irony just stands out yeah I, and also I, i would say that um, one thing we need to really people have said this earlier also that the, the one of the reasons for mobility can be that migrate my migration can be a big part of mobility and but the thing is we think of migration as a because today you know we migration is when you get a new job when something really some something really some important transformation occurs in your life that's when you move to a different city right but uh talbot tells us based on other people's works as well that this is such a presentist way of and a colonial way of actually seeing history because the whole point of the permanent settlement act as well as the later acts including the rayatwari act permanent settlement act was born about in 1791 by uh, uh, cornwallis the governor general of that time to which which said that uh, you know i'm just speaking to the audience of course you know all about all of this <laughs> um where there's there's a fixed taxation rate for a, for a couple of years for around 10 years or something and nobody can move that's the important that's why it's permanent settlement they are settled permanently uh but before permanent settlement act there is a great chance that entire villages moved in india uh and big parts large families moved uh, often detaching themselves completely from villages and she also cites the work of eugene erstic which i if you haven't read or heard of pratik you definitely should because it's set in exactly your area uh, which is uh, called jagir you know the chingalpot 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 area is called jag was called jagir yeah. uh, yeah. in a, in the early east india company history and there he uses he uses the records of jagir to show that often um, the the colonial sort of company would either join hands with the brahmins to peep to force people to be tied to the temple therefore stay in one place or stay uh, or or join hands with the uh, uh, the mirasidars because they would want taxation money so they would also force people to stay in one place so they would often join hands with these people to force ta- uh, you know sedentary sedentary uh, culture while it was off, off very often not even not even essential to indian civilization that kind of thing in which case mobility is to be somewhat expected right so that's a uh, it's it's a, it's a very presentist take really it's stagnation you know and uh, so sort of sudden attitude true uh, yeah so uh, well uh, now that we've spoken really about a lot of uh, priesthood and then a lot of uh, uh, well a lot of military kind of stuff so it's kind of i think we've moved actually in the varna order from brahmins to kshatriyas mm-hmm. and i think it's it's naturally time to move to the traders into the vaishya yeah. uh, <laughs> order so yeah right so there are of course there's first i would say that vaishya is one of the most ambiguous uh, sections varnas in indian history um, because for example I, i if i'm not wrong i don't think vaishya varna this, i don't think the people who refer to themselves as vaishya at all in kerala for example or even not sure about tamil nadu also i don't think people there are people who call themselves vaishyas are there no. there are so there are there are settis chettis are there 
and of course there are other ca- trading communities but um, they are not still vaishyas and moreover they are um, and i doubt if anybody any of them wear, wear the thread which is uh, while on the other hand the dharma shastra, shastra texts really dictate exactly what uh, i think you probably even know which that is you, what thread what uh, cloth thread they should be wearing what wood stick they should be carrying that to that precise yeah. you know that's that precise Uh, so so that way vaishyas are anyways a very ambiguous uh, category in indian history uh, but the what the community that's called komati is the one that identifies itself as vaishya in andhra's case uh, again the this so the komit so there are again different kinds of komities also as i was saying the the the, the three major sort of powerful land uh, owning warrior castes were named after the regions they came from similarly apparently the argument that that they are actually the regions names the the basal anmatra also cites the vaishya case komati case there are also apparently the kamma komities the velamar komities and so on velanadu komities and so on uh, anyway so there are these komities but vijayan anandrao shows us that actually komities are also were for a long time not even vaishyas they were not even considered vaishyas it's it's so there is there is that's a clear case of people jumping social ladder in fact to the point where they wear the social sacred thread right because committees a lot of them do i mean committees are uh, considered a varna you know savarna um one of the way that's possible is through text again right uh, so they 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 compose a poem the uh, the text called the uh, kanyaka parameshwari puranam right Ah, which ah, i'm sure you would have seen around so there is a kanyaka it's, it's an exclusively business class uh, goddess almost yes yes the arya vaishya community exactly uh, yes, so it because the north north part of madras is filled with these telugu speaking vaishya community people. exactly and we, i we can only find these kanyaka parameshwari temples there there's just nowhere else exactly so the story is this there's this wealthy komati leader kumarasetty uh, sreshti which is where seti comes from obviously uh, he's living with his yeah. daughter called kanyaka who is a very beautiful woman okay. and then the king uh, comes and he what he desires her and you know what's going to happen next she she sacrifices herself she okay. burns herself immolates herself she becomes a goddess that's the kwasavi kanyaka parameshwari okay. so there obviously each caste is going to have its own stories like this i have told you about parnata virara charitra i have told you about uh, yeah. katamrad katha and i'm telling you about kanyaka parameshwari katha but the thing with kanyaka parameshwari katha is that eventually it got associated with the skanda purana so the there are manuscripts floating around of kanyaka parameshwari katha in temples in houses in big you know these are trading communities so they have huge mansions and stuff where it's 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 been called as an excerpt of the skanda purana so there is so there actually it, it it is in the komati case that you can actually see the mn shrinivas process of sanskritization because if you notice any so no nowhere till now do you see sanskritization actually happening right so when you talk about brahmanism as an important facet of caste it is of course an important facet of caste but nowhere so far has do we see brahmanism at all right brahmanism is a is a point so caste has different facets to it and purity pollution uh, di- uh, what to say um, purity uh, pollution uh, the the spectrum is one aspect facet of caste and that is what we call brahmanism right. right some some foods are 
impure some foods are impure some clothes are pure some clothes are impure treating women this way is pure treating women treating not treating women this way is pure that kind of thing right uh, there is that there is a distinction but so far none of the cast actually the people who jumped who became powerful none of those actually subscribed to any of that they through military activity they became powerful through acquisition of land they became powerful but in the case of comedies what are they doing they are becoming vegetarian they are becoming um, they are uh, uh, becoming uh, uh, that they are, they are they are uh, they are following the rituals right they are become pious people and they are finally they are calling their legend a puranic story right. so they are so they are clearly sanskritizing sanskritizing themselves that's how they acquire are that, is this purana in, in in which language is this thing this is telugu this is telugu interesting does it have a sanskrit equivalent i i don't know actually i need to look that up uh, but it just called kanyaka parameshwari katha so i'm not sure i really doubt it i mean because... all i i i i know this is like social history but then when there is text i think we both kind of do go into it so yeah anyway yeah yeah right so that's the, that that's one thing and uh, and actually i mean we find a little of this in katavraj katha also because they are the wind, widows are uh, pro- prohibited from remarrying which is not really a fa- uh, element of pastoralist cultures True. so uh, so i think in the text they are doing something of a little of that they are it's you know you see the what i'm saying right they are they are adopting something that's actually that's yeah. somewhat alien to them so we see that already happening anyways um right now but the other so there are these cities communities who are traditional trading communities but in the 17th century 16th century 17th century there's a new phenomenon that occurs which is the creation of the identity called balija right um, which for some reason today is called is considered synonymous with kapu which is strange because as i said kapu is an agricultural community agriculture any agricultural caste is kapu balija is a collective term for different trading castes you must have heard it even in tamil nadu i'm guessing because lots of there are lot yes yes in fact here we say balija nayadu exactly yes yes so they are also called nayadus uh because nayadu so nayadus uh, eventually see, see you see how much of this is actually do with labels so nayakudu nayadu is a short for nayakudu which is a commander role in the military hierarchy but eventually it became a t- label that people pick up if they are jumping status uh so even balija just took it up so it's it's balija is actually identity is a lot like let's say maratha identity in a way in in, in that uh it, through the occupation the differences kind of cancel out so the range of castes uh which were considered left-handed castes which is you know people who do manual labor you know or and or even low level business you know trading they become they do started doing high right handed you know you have the word you know right. vama vama hasta uh, right yes, right yes. so uh, they, they, they yeah so it's that exactly so they start doing these when and the reason they able to do this is because they moved to tamil nadu so it's they, their balija hood comes from their uh, migration actually and uh, and actually the vijayanagara empire actually changes the entire caste hierarchy completely in a way uh because what they do is that first so balija is one thing that, that happens you know lots of these communities they started travel migrating to northern and even central tamil country and they uh, they became this cohesive trading communities uh that's one thing that happened the other thing that absolutely the amazing thing that happens is that 
finally shudra becomes a respectable word wow okay. in the vijayanagara nayaka period and right. the reason this happens is first uh, what ha- it's partly it, it is it owes itself to krishna devaraya who was uh, generally who brought this pro telugu current in the vijayanagara empire right for example he moved the patronage from virupaksha temple to tirumala uh, he had trust he brought telugu language brought all telugu poets into his core like that you know right. so when when the, uh, the tamil country big part of it was anyways in the vijayanagara territory and he pushed even further you know madurai and yes. further uh, and then lots of tamil castes kept moving into the territory and that includes uh, who what people we call so far kamma and reddy most most of them are kammas actually and those are the people who became nayakas of that region right yeah. uh, so they're all telugu dynasties as you know madurai senji or yes. tanjavur all of them and i will show you something very I'll, so there is a in the madurai uh, so in tanjavur nayaka court there is this there's a there's a epic called vijaya vilasam composed okay. by chemakura venkata kavi who is a balija himself okay. is a court poet so he so there are just like sanskrit has a panchamahakavyas telugu also has panchamahakavyas the last of which is the all the other four are alasani peddana uh, krishna devaraya samukta malida and so on fifth is chemakura venkata kavi's vijaya vilasam which is he's the only let's say like low caste quote unquote person to compose that and there is a poem and, and I have, sadly i have not read that so far it's even it's mahakavya in telugu i but this it's it's translated by velcharan and ravan david shuman and put it in their book symbols of substance which is an exceptional history book i mean it's like it's it's superb i just and what happens here is just fantastic i mean i can't really believe that i'm when i was reading it you know it is this is what makes history really worth it so this is a description comparison of ragunatha nayaka who is a king of the Tanj- of tanjavur uh, one of the tanjavur nayakas right um, yeah. with ganga and why ganga because ganga comes from the foot of hari as to shudras oh very interesting okay. <laughs> i mean can you believe it i mean that's so genius i mean that's amazing yeah yeah absolutely and that, uh, this also makes me think i mean during this nayaka time i'm sorry i'm i'm kind of deviating i yeah. know but then it's important to watch this out the the it is the, it is very clear that quote and quote shudras are the kings now yeah. right uh, then there are apay dikshita or whatever these people who are living under the nayakas during this time vyasa tirtha or whoever they are commenting and writing on the apashudra adhikarana saying shudras don't have access mm. to shall not have access to vedanta or vedic learning yeah. but then well you are patronized by those very shudras yeah. i mean <laughs> it's it's yeah, 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 i know i know no actually so that's the thing so symbols of substance as an i mean it's slightly later period it's not krishna devaraya's period although krishna devaraya is actually right. quite uh, skeptical of this so nayakas he couldn't really help it they were already nayakas by the time of from kakatiya's era even earlier they were already nayakas so they're already like entrenched in that region so if he needs to occupy an area he needs to uh, broker a deal with the local nayaka so he can't it's not really in his control so often he would yeah. make uh, so there is this um, um, role of the durgapati right durga uh, which is uh, like the kiladar in mughal india so he would often field brahmins to in that roles because he thought brahmins are landless community so they they won't really build a link with that region so and they'll be you know and because of his sort of affinity towards this kind of puranic brahminical like sort of sanskrit traditions he he really favored them 
so that way he was not really into this whole business but for the nayakas onwards it's a complete shift like you can see that already happening because they are they are lower caste people they are uh, shudra quote and quote shudras um, nayudus right who are moving to tamil nadu and they're all vocal about it and and what symbol of substance says this is a book by sanjay subramanyam shulman and narendra rao they say that they still patronized brahmins but they said but they were clear that they did not need the same brahmins favor in return because throughout history there is always patronage of brahmins by kings except yeah. there is they are doing it it is like they are paying the fees for the brahmin to convert make him a king but here they are they are they don't believe that they think we are kings anyways i mean we are kings because we are kings that's it so i'll i'll just read this one verse and i think we can close in a while uh, because we've already run into one hour and all it doesn't feel that way to me at all uh yeah. um, born from the feet of incarnate hari reaching the head of hara this goddess ganga is celebrated from tip to toe may she together with her lord grant perfect lordship to king ragunatha son of achyutendra the precious jewel of anayaka sign of a family that celebrates that shares her place of birth that shares her place of birth that shares the place that the, the, the place is the foot of god if ganga people are able to willing to dip into ganga why why don't why can't they accept the nayaka as, as he is the, yeah. yeah why can't they accept the shudra hood of the nayaka wonderful wonderful right wonderful. Uh, it's just amazing and and apparently there this because of this new even so nayakas are one layer of the, than the balijas the, commu- the trading community uh they too have by any chance do you have the molam of it this this is uh, vijay vilasan this story, this is a mahakavyam so i i can i can i think i think i can share the exact number of the words but this this is yeah. this can be found in symbols of substance and it's it's one of the mahakavyas it's not even a, an obscure text or anything like that so it is one of the central texts of the literature uh, okay. and the, and there is also the story of balijas also there um, so there is a story that they offer of a king called bhallanar bhallanaraya Bhallanaraya, uh, whose head is cut off by a barber of the Balija community because he kills that he kills a Balija minister. So then the Balijas uh, all celebrate and so on. So there is this celebration of violence. Violence, I think, is th- that is one thing I observed as a trend through throughout, is that yeah, you know, violence is not wrong, right? There is all all so that's that there is an honesty to this. I feel. violence is always obvious is central to caste it's central to polities it's central to uh, every aspect of life but there is a shunning away of from violence by dharma shastras you know they pretend like uh, you know prakas brahmins are not expected to do, commit much violence right wow. there is a cleansing of the brahmin but that i think that's happening here because which is why there is a very strong point to be made in the uh, andhra story of caste which is clearly which is non which is not following the technique of sanskritization and which is also not um, brahminical you know uh, like it's a patronage of brahmins but not really brahminical in that sense uh, and i would just i would just really just i've just defined sanskritization for the audience in case they do not understand it it's it's what i've told in the comity case which is often different castes have different castes have dif- uh, particular practices and usually the uppermost castes are the purest they are vegetarian they are they follow the thread they are pious they worship the puranic gods they participate in the vedic sacrifices and so on uh, but ms shrinivas the sociologist observed that the opposite if people want to jump caste they 
they've observed that if you follow those customs you can jump cast instead of it's not always one directional it's not always that you you you're not cast you need to do follow, follow certain customs if you follow certain customs you can acquire that respective cast status that's what he observed but we don't see that happening in this as you can see there is not this this brahmanical story is not being used by the reddies kammas velamas or balijas or nayakas of tamil nadu and so and of course we have not so far touched the real subalterns and i think that is the biggest black hole in indian history which is very very difficult to reconstruct the story yes, it's, it's the most difficult but I, but I, but in this in a way we have in that the boyas are for example a tribal community and the katamaraya do that the kollas are also there so there there is that but again when when we know of them they are they are they are they are climbing up the ladder so we still don't know of them when they were exactly exactly there must be so many castes which which have completely been left out and uh, and also i would just add one thing because we have i've come there uh, in the stories in the in the sixth stories that uh, narayana talks about in his book there is uh, the gaju kapu and the bestas widow remarriage is permitted in those in those stories and they are mercenary soldier castes so they are the you can say they are among the lowest castes who have managed to produce these folk epics right uh yeah i think that is what i had to say you do you would like to ask any questions anything further it's a lot of process and thank you for this in fact i mean uh, i have because uh, uh, to me personally the study of uh, this kind of caste and social history i mean it's fascinating but it has been i think it's it's one of the most challenging fields uh, to do uh because it's not a text that is static i mean and it's not like um uh, it's not something that very i mean there's a lot happening and therefore your methodology is had has to be accommodative of so many aspects so many sources and very creative analysis of sources exactly no? and uh, i think and it has to be comprehensive you need to take into account texts you need to take into account epigraphy you need to take into account Uh, lived legacies ethno and, and, ethno know, history uh, kind of thing like uh, anthropology exactly so you need you need anthropology uh, you need this ethnographic approach to it you need to look at how identity formation is taking place today and it's it's, it's and it's and, and the thing is um, and the problem and the other thing is that there are already so many ideologies so many models so many uh, sort of you know the weight of uh, some some kind of you know uh, paradigms which means that often if you if you if if some evidence is not fitting with your narrative you can easily ignore it sometimes you will not you will not even be able to see the evidence you know right. and uh, it's yeah. it's very so i mean for example i read all of these i've i've read four or five books and i've put this together i've not done this none of this is primary source direct research but i am pretty sure they've also been influenced by their own they've been, they are already theological in their head already you know right for example cynthia talbert she she you know she she already is uh, trying to argue against uh, let's say edward said that's one thing she started to do she's going to argue against um, nicholas dirks that's a project that she has she also tried to argue against the marxists and people who uh, uh, have who have who tc you know and also colonial at the same time you know all the different ideologies she tried to argue against so she has she's coming already from a certain way of looking at things uh, right. so i mean yeah so i mean i've tried to put this together as much as i could and as much as i've read yeah it's been an amazing journey 
uh, yes, I, I, I started by saying that Raven has a huge canvas to paint and looks like he has a wonderful palette with a lot of colors and a wonderful brush he is. He's painted as a wonderful picture at last. So thank you so much for tuning in and hoping to meet all our listeners in another episode. Thank you so much.